Welcome to Stay Gold, an Outsiders podcast. Uh, my name is Sam Mulberry, and I am joined by... Esme Mulberry. Esme, we have made it to our third episode, which covers from the 10-minute mark to the 15-minute mark. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is an exciting moment in what we're doing. So what are we doing on this podcast? We are looking at Francis Ford Coppola's 1983 film, The Outsiders, but we are looking at the 2005 release, Outsiders, The Complete Novel, and we're doing this in five-minute segments. So each episode, we look at five minutes of the movie. Now, what's exciting about this is that we are we are covering our our um, 11th through 15th minute of the, of the movie, right? Mm-hmm. And this is the first time that we are going to see, we're going to catch up to the beginning of the 1983 cut, right? Most of what we're looking at in this episode is the kind of the first scene in the original movie, correct? Yeah. Um, so uh, one thing I want to say before we get to this, something that, uh, you know, I, I think was uh, much debated as we were preparing this podcast was the title of this podcast, uh-huh. So um, we landed on Stay Gold and Outsiders podcast, which I believe was your vote, right? Yes, definitely. Now, there were some other options um, <laughs> that, that we kicked around. Um, some were unfit for, for the airwaves just because, and not intentionally, um, but I was thinking of like, okay, could you play with the idea of the words podcast? And of course, what is the f- most famous line? If anybody knows a line from the Outsiders, what is the line that they know? Stay gold, pony boy. Right. So um, I was thinking, well, what if we played with that and we tried to, you know, weave the the term podcast into it? So what was the title I came up with? Or are you afraid to say it? I'm afraid to say it. No, I said this to you without having said it to myself. Um, and I said, stay gold, potty boy, thinking like pod, but then you turn pod into pony um, but then I realized pod D boy sounds a lot like potty boy, which doesn't make a lot of sense. So that one was left on the cutting room floor. Um, but there was another, um, there was another title that was, we were very close to calling it. Let's admit we were very close to calling, uh, this show. And I think this is a very good title. Okay. We were only close to calling it cause we couldn't think of anything else, but I really hated it. And so. what was it? The Outfivers. So The Outfivers was a title that came from your brother. Your brother who was potentially going to be on this podcast, um, we, or at least in the early stages of talking about it, there was a chance we were maybe going to do this as a three-hander. Okay. He was in the room when we started talking about it, but he never wanted to do it, and I was never under the impression that that was a possibility. Okay, see, as a father, I realized, like, <laughs> I have a chance of, like, maybe talking him into it, um, and he was on board with the Outfivers, which I thought was a good title because, like, you could, you could, here's here's why I liked it. I liked it for the visual, because you could have the word The Outsiders, uh-huh. but instead you write it The Outfivers, and you do the word five in a different color. Like, it would have been cool. Um, but we're not, we obviously didn't use that title. Um, yeah. But I think what we should, I think we shouldn't totally reject the notion of Outfivers. And I think fans of the podcast should be called Outfivers. Are you on board with that? I guess. I mean, it will make you happy and satisfied. <laughs> Why must it be reluctant? Why can't you be excited about this? It, I don't like it. But here's the thing are you a fan of this podcast? 
Yes. So you're an outfiver. That's why I don't like it. <laughs> oh, you don't like being an outfiver. Yeah. What if you what if you met somebody who was enthusiastic about this podcast and they were like, Hey, I'm an outfiver, would you be like, That's a dumb name? Or would you be like I would think it's a dumb name, but I think it'd be cool that they said that. Okay, well that, I mean that's what matters, right? Right, right. So at any rate, um, Let's dive into this five minutes, whether you're an outfiver or a potty boy or whatever you are. I know it's real bad. It's real, real bad. Uh, uh, where were we at going into this? So let's do our, a quick round of previously on Stay so Gold. In the last five minutes, um, the greasers chased away the socias who had jumped pony boy. Um, we get kind of introduced to the other greasers that are in the gang. Um and we kind of learn about how, like, the relationships of each other, who's good friends with who, all that. And then there's a scene um, that we see the beginning of where Ponyboy and Soda Pop are going to bed and they're having a conversation. But we don't really see a lot of the conversation in the last five minutes. Most of the conversations in this five minutes. Yeah, so we're, we're just, like, embarking on that conversation. Um, so uh, let's jump into our kind of review of the five minutes we're going to walk through what happened so if you're watching along with us this is starting at the mm -hmm. 10 minute one second mark um so we see pony boy and soda pop in bed together as we said it's a cold night and they use this sort of cold blue light um that uh kind of sets the the mood uh, in terms of like the, mm -hmm. the moonlight streaming in, right? So we get this, I, I think we get this sense of cold. We also get this sense of like, it is completely dark except for this, this blue light. Now you noticed something as we were rewatching yeah. this. Um, I actually noticed this a while. I noticed it when I was doing notes for this five minutes. Um, but in actually the last five minutes when they switch the lights, like when Ponyboy shifts. Oh, it's in this five minutes. No, it's not. It is. It's a, no, it's not. No, it's not. Okay, it's not. I know it's budget. not. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah, you're totally it's, it's right. before. Yeah, yeah. It's um, when Ponyboy shuts off the light in the room, the blue light is supposed to come on. But when they made it, they didn't sync up the lights enough. So it, the blue light comes on first, and it's just for like a second. But if you watch on the bed, like right next to Robbo's arm, you can really see it. And you can see the blue light be on without the light in the room coming off it's just a second but it's kind of a long second like yeah. once you know it's there it's real noticeable like yeah. oh they didn't they didn't time those two things out uh perfectly it makes me wonder if you if you're looking for that stuff if you can find more of that um, yeah i i'll definitely start looking at that kind of thing when i'm watching stuff right so we see soda turn and he puts his arm around pony boy to keep him warm uh and soda starts talking and says when Derry yells at you like that he don't mean nothing it's just he's got a lot of responsibilities after mom and dad died. He ain't used to them. He loves you a lot. Mm -hmm. Right? So this is this is in response to last episode where um, Derry was upset at Pony Boy for, you know, kind of not thinking and acting but yeah. not thinking. Um, and then this conversation, like the, these lines as wording, is not in the book. But there's a conversation that takes place earlier in the movie where it's those lines are actually the ones that are in the book. So it's like they really wanted to get this message across because you don't get Ponyboy's internal thoughts. So they have the conversation twice, just slightly different both times. And again, it's interesting that this isn't in the movie. This isn't yeah. in the 1983 movie. Like, this is kind of an important... Uh, I would say this is arguably, if you think about the book, this is one of the big themes in the book is, is um, sort of how does 
Pony Boy relate to Derry and how does Derry yeah. relate to Pony Boy? And this is a crucial moment to sort of have somebody whether whether Pony believes it or not, somebody saying to him, you know, there's a lot going on with Derry because we yeah. don't get as much Derry in this movie either. And like it's also when you cut out this beginning part, you don't really establish them as characters. And then since they're gone so much in the middle, then in the shorter version, it's like they're not at all a driver motivation or like this other story that's happening because you don't know who they are and then you because so much of the story is about like his relationship with his brothers and the idea of family that then in the other version of the movie you just totally lose that because you don't know who they are to a certain extent yeah no i think i think this is um as much as the last five minutes were stuff that it's like wow if you don't have that in there you lose a lot like i actually think this is this is maybe one of the more important things that got cut from the movie yeah um, so then the, the conversation goes on. Uh, Pony asks Soda why he dropped out of school. And Soda says, because I'm dumb. The only things I was passing was auto mechanics and gym. And Pony says he's not dumb, but Soda won't hear it. Now, as we were rewatching this a few minutes ago, um, I was struck by, like, how good Rob Lowe is in this yeah, scene. Yeah, he's pretty good. Now, and this is coming. You're not a fan of Rob Lowe. No. You know, at least late period Rob Lowe, kind of yeah. Chris Traeger, Parks and Rec Rob Lowe. But, like... There's something about his line delivery of because I'm dumb and then his sort of explanation. And it's just like, wow, it's like it's, yeah. it's very convincing. It's good. And also, like, this is a part of the conversation that these lines are word for word from the book. So I also love this scene that they actually, like, nailed it and did it well because it it's so it's so exciting to watch. And it's like this is exactly what the book is. Yeah. Yeah. So then uh, Soda says he wants to tell Pony a secret. Um, and he says, I th- he thinks that he's going to marry Sandy, his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. He says, I'll probably wait until you're out of school so I can help Derry with bills and stuff. And then Soda rolls over and Pony puts his arm around him. So we get sort of this exchange from from uh, Soda keeping Pony warm to Pony keeping Soda warm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Pony asks Soda if he's in love with Sandy and asks what that's like. And Soda says, most of the time it's real nice. Um. So this is where in this scene that a line changes, and I'm very curious of why they changed it. Because uh-huh. in the movie, he says most of the time, and then pauses, and then says it's real nice. But in the book, he just says it's real nice. And it I find it really weird that they added in the most of the time. Oh, I think it's better. I th- Yeah, I like the line better that way, but I find it really interesting that they change it, especially because it's like it's hinting that that Sandy plot line is gonna be what it is in the book Mm -hmm. but then it doesn't really come up again well i so that's why i think they did it is because the book you have more time to sort of play out that sandy storyline so here it's like in adding those couple words they point to i love stuff like this they point to like oh here's a whole other world soda has his own life in his own world that we're not just not gonna see but but adding those few those few words to that to that sentence points to that indicates that. So if you're a book reader, you're like, oh, I know what he's talking about. Yeah, I mean, I do get that that that's the reason that they did that. It just kind of frustrated me because it was like they set it up to then do that plot line, and it's almost this thing of when I watched the longer version, when I heard that, I was like, oh, 
they're actually going to add that in. And I got really excited, and then I kept on waiting for it, and it didn't happen. Well, and there is there is more stuff that was cut from this that doesn't make it into the complete novel. So there may actually be yeah, there may actually be stuff that they originally planned and even filmed. That's why I want to watch it those extra like I don't know like twenty minutes because I want to see like if they have that in there. And it would be interesting if that just made the film feel kind of bloated. Yeah. I don't know. Because the book, it doesn't. Because the book, it's done elegantly and quickly. But I think to do it in a movie, maybe you'd feel like, oh, now we're... Because where that comes yeah. into the story is so late. Yeah. So um, as as Ponyboy kind of rolls over, so he's laying on his back as well, um, we start to hear music in the background. We start to hear Van Morrison's Gloria, which is going to soundtrack most of the rest of this five minutes yep. um, and we get a fade to black and then we come back we fade uh, back to a wide shot of Dally uh, this is now daytime standing alone on a street corner outside of a bar which is called the Bowen Lounge he's smoking and this is the opening scene of the theatrical release right? Yeah. so after the credits this is the scene where the movie kicks off so mm-hmm. everything we've seen before is not what people saw in 1983 this is where yes. this is where the movie starts and it's a strange place to start it this is. story because like it's like you just got close to the action and then it is like the you lose all of the introduction to the characters you lose then in that so much character development and you're just thrown into this spot that it seems so weird well it does seem to center things on dally then yeah now this the book certainly is okay with centering things on Dally. And the I mean it, we'll talk about this I think a lot on on this episode, but it all but uh Matt Dillon who plays Dally is the probably the biggest movie star charisma. He's not the biggest movie yes. star in this movie, but probably the biggest movie star charisma of people in this movie. Yeah. So it's you know it's it's not bad to uh to point the camera at your superstars and, mm-hmm. and let them shine, but yeah. It does it does like the first time I watched it, I was like, why is he the main character now? And I was really confused by the beginning because if you knew nothing about the outsiders, you would think at the beginning that Dally's the main character and then you'd be confused when he left. Right. And what's interesting about the book, The Outsiders, is by the time you get to the end, Dally kind of is one of the big three characters. Yeah. But you don't realize it right away. It takes a mm-hmm. long time to realize, like, oh, this guy is, like, a really... Because he does sort of just, like, show up and disappear yeah. multiple times during the beginning of this book. Yeah. that That's something I loved about the book is, like, you then kind of you don't really not notice him but in a weird way you don't really care about him as much you care so much more about pony boy and johnny and then when you get to the end you realize so much about his character and Mm -hmm. that he is so important um but in the movie since in the 1983 release it's like he's just so much the main character Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you lose that yeah so um so dally's standing there and pony boy and johnny walk up to him uh, and Dally says they're early. When Ponyboy asks what he wants to do, Dally says, nothing legal, man. Let's get out of here. Right? So, um, again, that's a great – that is a great opening line to for for a character. I mean, mm-hmm. if that's the first scene of the movie, like, that tells you – that line tells you something about Dally, yeah. even if you haven't met him yet. Um, but it's actually a little more interesting to hear him say that 
when you think about what he had said the day before, like it's like he doesn't want to get into trouble with the cops or something like that. Mm-hmm. So so it points to the fact that Dally likes to uh, kind of walk walk a line, right? Yeah. So they start to walk up the street uh, into the background. Dally checks out a girl who's walking the other way. Uh, Pony and Johnny walk while Dally struts. And I wrote this intentionally because, like, yeah. like um, Matt Dillon is playing this pretty hard at this point, right? He's yeah. really emphasizing, like, the the kind of strut walk that, uh, that Dally Winston has. But not in a comical way. Like, it works. But it's like yeah. he, he walks differently. He moves through the world differently than pony or johnny does Mm -hmm. and i've often actually felt this way about people in my life who i met where i'm like wow that person is really cool is there is this sense of like that all the best i can say is that they move through the world differently right yeah and and dally definitely has that um and and a lot of this five minutes is watching dally move through the world and watching pony and johnny watch dally move through the world Mm mm-hmm um, so they end up walking through a parking lot of the Pines restaurant, um, which is like a beat up kind of drive up diner. Um, there are some guys. Now, this is a confusing scene. So maybe you can help make uh-huh. sense out of what's happening in this scene. So here's what I wrote in my notes, um, although it doesn't totally make sense to me. Um, there are some guys in leather jackets that are looks like they're working on a motorcycle, but mm-hmm. I can't tell if it's their motorcycle or if they're like <laughs> trying to steal the motorcycle or mess with the motorcycle. Um, so Dally and the crew start talking with a guy in like a, a white on blue Chevy, like with the fins and everything, a very like late fifties kind of car. Mm-hmm. Then the owner of, I think the owner of the motorcycle, again, this is where I could be wrong, yeah. who appears to be like a Latino guy. Um, comes out and he's wearing like a brown leather jacket um, and the guys working on the motorcycle start to jump him. So that's where I'm not sure. It's like, are they messing okay. with his bike? Is that what's happening? I think that's what it is. And I, so in the book, this is actually in there. Okay. Of like, they are at this place and though in the book that they, they indicated it's much longer where they're like going into different people's cars and like talking to everyone they knew. Mm-hmm. And then a fight breaks out between a group of greasers and they describe him as a Mexican hitchhiker. Okay. Um and they So if he's a hitchhiker it's yeah, not his bike. But I think the reason they do that in the movie is to make it seem like there's kind of a reason because in the book they give no reason why they're attacking him. Sure, sure. So then I think in the movie it's just like let's just throw this in because then it gives a reason and it doesn't just seem like this really random thing that happens. Sure, that 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 makes sense. Like, because it, it is just it happens fast, and like when I say it happens in the corner of the screen, it literally happens in like the lower left hand corner of the screen while you're watching, because you're watching the stars of the movie. You're watching Dally and Johnny and Pony, and they're kind of in the upper right corner of the screen, and then all of a sudden this thing happens, and you have to watch it a few times to figure yeah. out what what's going on. Um. So they start to fight, uh, fight him three on one. And we see Dally, Pony, and Johnny um, kind of walk up to watch the fight. That's a pretty cool looking shot. It's kind of a low angle shot. And you see the three of them yeah. kind of position themselves, not to be involved in the fight, but to um, but to watch the fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, then the motorcycle owner uh, pulls out a switchblade or like a butterfly knife or something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, Dally, Johnny, and Pony walk to the other side of the car to kind of distance themselves from the action because, you, you know, uh, Dally especially doesn't want to get 
associated with this fight. Yeah. You know, if, say, the cops were to pull up, which is precisely what happens, mm-hmm. um, the cops pull up and jump out of the car with billy clubs. So you don't see what precipitates from there, but you can imagine, yeah. you know, that this is this is probably a common occurrence. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is different in the book. What happens is they leave because they're like, we don't want the cops to come while we're here. But I get why they change in the movie because you can't really communicate that yeah. across. Yeah, but, but you you actually get that entire idea. I think the moving yeah. to the other side of the car and the sort of slipping away as the cops pull up to just be like, we have nothing to do with this, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so then we get a hard cut to the DX gas station where Stoda, Soda and Steve work. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see Dally, Johnny, and Pony walk up. Uh, Steve announces that he doesn't have any cash because he knows, like, okay, they're coming to get money because these are the people who have jobs. Uh, Dally takes a, a, a washer, a windshield wiper, and tries to sell it back to them. <laughs> uh, and Soda just tells Steve to give them some money. So we just get this sense of, like, um, these characters that we've met bef- earlier, now we're seeing them mm-hmm. um, in kind of the different part of their life. So we're seeing Soda and Steve at work. Yeah. Um, so in the book, before they go to the drive-in, they also go to three places like they do in the movie. But one is different. So in the book, they don't go into the gas station and see Steve and Soda Pop. Instead, before they go to where the f- that like fight is, they go to like a drugstore or something, and they say that like Dally shoplifts some cigarettes. So they do change this a little bit, but the other two places they go to, what happens is exactly what happens in the book, and I love it. Well, and I, and they do hint towards the drugstore, which we'll which we'll see in a moment. Yeah, they um, do hint towards that. Yeah. Um. So then we cut to Dally, Johnny, and Soda walking through kind of a rundown part of town, like a vacant lot kind of situation. Um. Uh, Johnny asks uh, what the movie is, and Dally says it's one of those beach movies. And we see Dally kind of peer into a store window as they walk. And I think mm-hmm. this is the indication of, like, um, without showing Dally as a shoplifter, he's kind of casing the, the store a little bit. Like, okay, yeah. let's take a look at what's inside. Uh, maybe we'll return here that's, at some point. That's kind of the sense I got from it. Where I was like, oh, they're trying to hint at that scene from the beginning of this. But then they don't do it because I think just time. But Yeah, yeah. And um, and maybe they want to keep Dally a little um, keep his mystery a little bit more. I don't know. Yeah. Like, although we know that he was in jail, so like if we saw him shoplift, but but it's one thing to say it; it's another thing to show it. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's part of it too. Is like okay, we don't. Uh, I could even imagine it's we don't want to show kids how to shoplift. That's you know? what like, I was I thinking wonder about too. that even. Yeah, of like you don't show a scene of someone shoplifting because then it shows you how to shoplift. Right, right. And that, and that very well could be in terms of thinking about like a, uh, you know, late 70s, early 80s movie. I could imagine there's some pressure around things like that uh, yeah. potentially. Yeah. So then we see him. So here's where the vacant lot is. We see them walking through a vacant lot where there's some little kids playing cards. Uh, and Dally threatens them and he says, Did I say you could play grass or play cards on my grass? Um, you could play on my grass, you know, Dally, as if he's the king of this this little <laughs> patch of grass. Uh, Dally takes their cards. Um, and there's this great moment where uh, Johnny. Um, while Dally's doing this, it's like you can see he's like frustrated because mm-hmm. Johnny's a guy who gets picked on, right? Gets picked on by the greasers, things like this. He's not a big tough guy like Dally, and there is this sense where 
you know, Johnny and Pony are closer to being like these little kids than um, than mm-hmm. Dally is. And there is just sort of this moment of frustration. It's, oh, it's only played in the background. It's not overplayed. But I feel like Machio does a good job of like yeah. like acting in the background while, while you know, Dally's doing this stuff in the foreground. And I do think it's so much too, like, in a lot of these scenes, it's like Dally doing something and Johnny and Pony Boy hanging back and just watching. And I think that really kind of shows both the relationship between the three of them and their personalities of, like, Johnny and Pony Boy will not speak unless spoken to and will just watch. Yeah, and they're, they, they kind of idolize Dally. You yeah. Know, that it's like, okay, whatever he's whatever he's doing, we're doing, even if sometimes it's like, I, I kind of wish we weren't doing this. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a tension that runs throughout this sort of early part of this story. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Dally takes the cards and he says, you guys ever played 52 pickup? And one of the kids says, yeah. And Dally gets upset. Like, because he wanted to play this joke on them, but they're like, they already know the joke. And he says, hey, don't get wise. I don't like little kids. I don't like them. I just, and he's kind of like talking to himself at this point, right? He's like, he's frustrated. There's something about that line, don't get wise. It's like, it's almost like he want he's both picking on them, but he's also wants to celebrate their like innocence and purity. Yeah. He's like, wait a minute, you little kids now are already I mean, well, they're sitting there playing cards, which, you know, they might be playing Go Fish or something, but probably not. They're probably playing poker or something like that, mm-hmm. right? And he's like, there is this sense almost of like you guys are growing up too fast, you know? Yeah. Um so it's it's I feel like there's a lot embedded in this uh in this moment. Um but he still then, you know, uh, takes the cards and flips them all over. Uh, then he chases the kids through the vacant lot and, and Pony and, and Johnny sort of join them. Uh, um, I also love what he yells at the kids. He just yells, get out of here or I'm going to kill you and then starts chasing them. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, you know, once they chase the kids off, uh, Dally notes that the sky's getting dark, uh, so it's time to go mm-hmm. um, because they're going to a drive-in movie, which the movies can't start until it's dark. So they're, they're, this really is them, you know, when he's, this five minute starts with him, you know, saying it, we're early, that there is this sense of like, all right, there is dead time we need to fill before we can fill our time with the movie. So that's an indication that the movie's about to, uh, it's about time for the movie. So we cut to Dally, Johnny, and Pony sneaking into the drive-in movies under a chain-link fence, um, which is important in a number of ways, right? Like, for one thing, they're not paying to get in. For another thing, they don't have a car, right? I mean, this mm-hmm. is a this is a movie which is about uh, socioeconomics, is about class mm-hmm. um, distinctions, and um, you know, having having or not having a car matters. And I think that this the line at the beginning when they first meet and he says like i don't want to do anything legal i think that's because in this scene in the book Ponyboy talks about this whole thing about how like they have the money to get in but dally doesn't want to have to do anything the legal way mm-hmm. and i think that that's what the line at the beginning was about that should have been like in here kind of yeah yeah so it's just sort of in principle they're not gonna pay mm-hmm. yeah because we see that they have money later because they yeah, get they get they have drinks money and later stuff. yeah um, that's really interesting. Um, so we see them 
come in under the chain link fence um, and they walk through a row of cars and we see uh, we can kind of see the movie screen behind them uh, which is showing the 1965 movie Beach Blanket Bingo um, and when there's a scene of somebody skydiving in the background we kind of hear the audio of this it looks like a I've never seen this movie it looks like kind of a dumb beach movie yeah you know but which is sort of a perfect mid 60s let's kill time kind of thing um and then we see the camera start to follow them, and it tracks from left to right as they move across the um, across the, kind of the, the 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 parking lot of the uh, of the drive-in movies. Um, and as they're moving, kind of not in the background, but in the midground, we see the cars between them and the camera in the foreground, and we pick up a scene happening in. Uh, in one of these cars in the foreground. And it's a scene that's going to have a lot of relevance to uh, to this movie going forward. So we see mm-hmm. uh, Cherry Valance, who we haven't met yet. We see her in a car with her boyfriend um, and her friend Marsha and Marsha's boyfriend. Um, and we see them getting out of the car. And Cherry is mad because their boyfriends, Bob and Randy, are drinking. Um and Bob is trying to calm her down, but Cherry refuses. Right, so we're seeing just this, and and then and then as the the um, the shot continues, we pick back up after they get past the row of cars. We pick back up with Dally, Johnny, and um, and Pony Boy, but we get this little glimpse of what's going to be something which is going to um, fuel the next five minutes, but is also going to play a big role in. Uh, in the narrative of the story going forward. And then we close this five minute, five minutes with uh, Dally, Johnny and Pony sitting down in a seating section. So the drive-in has spots for cars, but then it also has a section with just seats where you can sit if you don't have a car. So we see them sitting mm-hmm. down in that section and that closes this five minutes. Um, and there is a change from the book and this moment um, in the book. When they sit down, there's no one else in any of the other seats. And in the movie, there's it's a, full. Yeah, it's pretty full. And in the book, the two girls are already there and they choose to sit down right behind them. But in the movie, the girls sit to uh, choose to sit in front of them. Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I wonder if that's just so we can see that scene play out. I like think the, it is. The timing yeah. of that. Why they're surrounded by people, I my guess is that's as we'll see uh, in the next five minutes. So when they make a scene, there are people to kind of like respond to it. Like mm-hmm. when Dally kind of makes a scene there or something like that. Um, because otherwise it's, you know, you don't have, you don't yeah. have people, you don't have reactions from people around them. You don't get this sense that they're being viewed and judged. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's really interesting that, that the book explicitly lays that out. Yeah. Because when they come, it says, like, there was no one there but two other girls. And Dally looked at them and then was just like, all right, we're going to sit right behind them. Hmm. That's really interesting. Well, mm-hmm. speaking of that, I mean, we, we've sort of reached the end of our five minutes. Uh, let's jump into Book Corner. Is there anything else as you think about comparing this five minutes to the same depiction in the book? Um. Honestly, I really like this five minutes compared to the book because... Just about, like, all the things they do before they go to the movie. There are slight changes, but it's, like, pretty accurate. And I really like that they decided to actually put those in. Because it would be super easy to just cut them out, but they don't. Mm-hmm. And even using, a, some of, the, like you said, some of the same direct dialogue from the book, which 
sometimes when movies get adapted, that doesn't work very well because some things mm-hmm. read one way on the page, but when you put them in somebody's mouth, they doesn't sound right. Yeah, or like they're just they just don't deliver the line right, and then it bothers you of like that's not what that's supposed to be, but like so much in this movie, exactly what the line is in the book sounds what it should sound like in the movie. Well, let me ask you this. So so if these scenes are pretty true to what's in the book, when you think about it visually, and maybe it's hard to remember, um, is does this look like what you imagined it looking like when you first read the book? Yeah. Okay. Honestly, yeah, especially the movie scenes. Like, exactly. There's a... There's, um, there's a couple things that are like a little different mainly like what their house looks like but that's just because like why would i ever picture the same house sure but a lot of scenes are like yeah that's exactly what i pictured it to look like in the book or very similar um anything else in terms of thinking about the book and uh and this five minutes not really. All right. So this is so so if you were to um, rank this on a scale of one to ten in terms of book accuracy, what would you say? Eight point five. Eight point five. So that's I think yeah. our highest. Like that's so so this is they're really humming along with the book, um, and and it, it what I'm getting from you is that that I mean if if this is a book you love when something is seeming to connect with the book that it's a pretty positive five minute stretch. Mm-hmm. Then. Because, like, I, I'm a person who, when it's the exact same line delivered correctly, I get really excited because it's like, ooh, I've seen this before, but this is better. So I there's a lot of that in this movie of entire scenes where it's l- like every line is word for word the line from the book. Yeah, yeah. And that, that that's often a sign of a uh, – it's definitely a sign of a faithful adaptation of, yeah. uh, of a work. And I think this is a this is a story that lends itself to adaptation as well. Like mm-hmm. you can read it and say, oh, yeah, I could picture that as as a movie. Uh, let's, let's go to our deep dive. So for our subject for today's deep dive um, is really, you know, as we talked about, one of the big stars of the movie, and that's Matt Dillon. So let's learn a little bit more about Matt Dillon and who he was – um, coming into this movie, so Matt Dillon obviously plays um, plays Dally Winston. Um, he was one of the most established young actors in the cast of The Outsiders. So as we talked about, this is this like crazy cast um, in terms of the the people who are who um, who what they end up doing later on in their careers. Some of them were pretty early. A lot of them were pretty early on in their careers, but Dylan was one of the most established of the actors. Um, he has top billing in the movie. If we go back to the credits, the first mm-hmm. name you see is Matt Dillon, um, which is interesting because both C. Thomas Howell and Ralph Macchio have more screen time and are arguably the leads of the film. Yeah. But that points to the fact that Dylan's the biggest name um, in the film. Yeah. Uh, the Outsiders was actually his sixth film role. His first was 1979's Over the Edge. Uh, in 1981 and 1983, he was nominated for a Young Artist Award for Best Motion Picture Actor. Um, in 1980 for My Bodyguard, 1982 for Tex, which is also a S.E. Hinton um, uh, adaptation. Uh, he grew up in New York, so he's a New Yorker just like Dally. He's born in New Rochelle, New York in 1964, so he was 19 when The Outsiders was filmed. How old is Dally Winston canonically in the book? 17. 17. So 
that's pretty close in yeah. age then. Yeah. It's, I think, the smallest age gap between a character and the actor age. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, he's He appeared in three Essie Hinton adaptations. So in 1982, he was in the film Tex. In 1983, he's in both The Outsiders and Rumblefish. So two of those are, are Coppola adaptations. So, of you know, he, he's in, I think, you know, he's in all of these um, these S.E. Hinton adaptations. Or th- he's in three out of the four S.E. Hinton adaptations. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes on to have a really robust movie career. So he's, um, The Outsiders is not the peak of his film career. Uh, he stars in 58 films uh, as, of, as of 2022. Uh, in 19, or excuse me, in 2004, he's nominated for an Oscar for Best Supporting Actor for the movie Crash. So we talked about how Coppola won a number of Oscars. Uh, Matt Dillon is also an Oscar nominee. We're going to be tracking mm-hmm. this as we go through how many um, Oscars and Oscar nominees are attached to this film. Um, he was also nominated for a Grammy Award for his reading of Jack Kerouac's novel On the Road in 2001. So an Oscar nominee, a, Gra- a Grammy nominee. Mm. Um, really, I mean, he's somebody who uh, you'll he still is still like a, a working actor. You'll still see him popping up in movies. But mm-hmm. um, I think he has uh, kind of in the, the mid-90s through the early 2000s, he's very, very, very active in films. Um, so, again, you know, tip of the hat to the casting director of this film. They really uh, yeah. uh, stocked it with young talent. Uh, so let's close the show with the question that uh, that we always close the show with, which is who won the five? Uh, who is the winner of this five minutes? I have four nominees. Maybe you want to add somebody else into this. Um, this was tough because there's not a lot of people in, yeah. in this or attached to this. But here are my four. Uh, Matt Dillon as Dally Winston. Rob Lowe as Soda Pop Curtis. So we talked about how good he is. He's in just the first part of this five. Um, Ralph Macchio, who we uh, talked about, doesn't say a lot in this five, but is doing a lot of good acting in the background. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I threw Van Morrison in because the song <laughs> Gloria basically runs through almost this whole uh, this whole five minutes. So I was yeah. kind of thinking, okay, I mean, and it, it, it actually, the song works really well in this. Mm-hmm. Um you know, uh, and now I will say Gloria is one of the songs that's actually in the 1983 film. Mm-hmm. So this was not added music of the time period. This actually was in this. Yeah. Uh, was in this. And it it's also interesting, too, because that's the first song you hear besides the opening credit song in the 1983 version. Yep. yep. So I think it's I think there are two period era songs in the 1983 film. This is one of them. We're going to see in the 2005 version, there's a lot more. There's a lot. Yeah. So we'll be talking a lot more about music. So Esme, who, 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 talk to me about who you think wins the five. I mean, I would probably say Matt Dillon, even though I think he won the last one. But he like he's super good in this one. And like... I was talking earlier, like, if you watch the 1983 version and you start with this scene, he really is the main character. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he's just, I don't know, like, he's really good. Um, he does have a lot of charisma. Um, I think he does a really good job as the character of Dally because that's kind of a hard character. And, he, and that, that charisma fits the Dally character, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Although Roblet was also really good at the beginning of this, but I feel like Dally um, 
is just in more of the five minutes, so I would more give it to him. Yeah, I have to agree. I really wanted to make the case for Roblo, especially rewatching this before we started recording. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, is he good? Is he good? And he's he's just not Chris Traeger, Roblo. Like, he's really, really good at this. Yeah. But then once that scene ended and we watched the rest of the five, and I was just like, man, it is like, like Dylan is just owning this. And yeah. And, uh, and again, it's not just the way he delivers line. There's there's his physicality. There's the way he walks in comparison to other people. The way he moves through the world, you know, which which actually makes me again want to tip my hat to um, really both C. Thomas Howell and Ralph Macchio is that they don't try to match Dally. Like mm-hmm. they they're they're definitely doing a lot of unspoken work here. Yeah. Um, but he's at the center of the frame, and and a perfect example of this is when that fight breaks out. You don't notice why, because you're not watching that. You're watching the most charismatic person on screen, who's Matt Dillon, in the other part of the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think he ha- he has a kind of gravitational pull. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, so yeah. So he is a two-time winner of the five. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a feeling he might win some more. I hope. Oh yeah. I hope we have an opportunity to give this to Roblo at some point. Um, so Maybe. does not in a ton of this movie. I don't know. <laughs> this might be Blow's best shot at it. Yeah. Um but maybe at the end. Yeah, yeah. So um you know, I think but I think Dylan eats his lunch here, so we just have to we have mm-hmm. to give it to him. I will say like Ralph Macchio and C. Thomas Howell's like background acting is super good. Yeah. They're definitely gonna they're gonna have lots yes, of opportunities to win this because this movie is going to leave them alone in a church for long stretches <laughs> of time. So there's gonna be moments where they're the only people who could win it. Mm-hmm. Um they'll probably have some some less deserved wins just because, <laughs> like, well, they're the only there's ones. There's only there. two people. Right. Uh, well, as made, that uh, brings to a close this episode of Stay Gold, uh, an outsider's podcast. Um uh, hopefully you're enjoying listening to this. If you are, you should subscribe to the Channel 3900 Podcast Network. We're going to keep mm-hmm. putting out episodes. Um, you should read The Outsiders by S.E. Hinton. Yeah. I mean, if you haven't read it, this we're, we're just at the beginning of the book right now. So it's a quick read. It would be fun to read that. You know, as we're going through this, you should watch the um, the Francis Ford Coppola film. We highly recommend the complete novel. Um, but I think the the eighty three film is interesting as a curiosity to compare to the novel and then to compare to the complete novel version of the film. So yeah. we highly recommend those things as we're launching out because now we're getting into the uh, the meat of this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the next the next episode is going to take place still in the the whole thing taking place in the movie theater but we're going to see a lot more things start to kind of build out in the world and we're almost to our kind of inciting incident yeah. that is all the time that we have we will be back next week with another episode until then stay gold cool.